How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Literally Gaysians, a podcast where two gay Asian guys, aka Gaysians, Gaysians, get real about their feelings and literally Gaysian stuff. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm your co-host, Bao. And it's back to just us. Another solo episode, just me and Chris. And it's been actually a long time since we've caught up, Chris. So how you been? I've been... Just okay. Yeah, it's been so long since I've seen you. The holidays have passed and you've mm-hmm. gone away and everyone's off. And I really enjoyed the holidays. I love, I want to be like that cold hearted bitch that hates the holidays. But, and I do, but like <laughs> I hate going to see family. I can only stand a couple hours of my mom at a time. But, you know, the chosen family, the, the everything else, it's so good to see everyone. People fly back home, people have time, and I got to get closer to a lot of people. So I really enjoyed that part of it and going out and partying, but I haven't gotten to see you very much. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm actually in Asia right now. I'm in a really echoey 
we work conference room because it's the only <laughs> place with good internet in Vietnam, which is where I'm at, visiting my mom in Hanoi. And the last three weeks have just been a bit overwhelming, I got to be honest. I feel like it's the Even first year everything's really... Yeah, Jet Setter, and I think on Instagram, it looks like I'm having a great time, but in my head, it could be a great time or like just completely overwhelming just because it's just been three years since things have been open like this. And during those three years, we forget that we've like had a pandemic and we're depressed and finally coming back out to the world. And so like- Still having a pandemic. Still having a pandemic, but like returning to everything being normal, I feel like I just kind of jumped into it. Like nothing would happen. I realized like it takes a little bit acclimating. Overall, I'm having delicious food. So I can't complain. And you got family out there, right? Yeah, yeah. My mom lives here in Hanoi. Um, and I'm going to be jumping around Asia for a little bit in the next three weeks. I'm super excited about that. But going to be also be kind to myself and um, accept that, you know, I am not that same person I was in 2019. And that's okay. And just to try to be present. Yeah, the the whole thing of like, oh, Three years ago, we were different people, and trying to be that same person has been really hard, especially if it was, like, a good time then. And three years ago, you and I um, were probably just partying and friends and having your little kikis. Three years later, we have a podcast out, (laughs) and this is actually the first podcast episode you and I are recording um, after we've launched the podcast um, so for the listeners out there, we've pre-recorded a bunch of episodes. The first two were pre-recorded. There's a couple others coming out soon. Um, so this, but this is the first one that we're recording that's like actually out after we've launched uh, episode one and episode two. Um, and it's been so it's been out for a little under a month now, and the reception has actually been pretty great and amazing. Yeah, it's um, really fun. Mm-hmm. What are some of the reactions you're hearing, Chris? It's been pretty positive, but, you know, there's just constructive feedback. And what I've been worried about is, you know, there are friends. Are they just being nice? I mean, mm-hmm. who's going to say, oh, it's shit to your face? Although, you know, that happens. <laughs> and, you know, and but at the same time, when I think about the podcast, it's just as much for us, too, as it is for everyone else. So in the long run, as long as we're having fun, I'm pretty happy with it. Like, just... Seeing you, especially since you've moved down to L.A., having these face-to-face interactions is really enjoyable. And so, fuck everyone else. But that's not to say that um, I can't wait to get more comfortable with this and better at it and just pour my wretched little heart out to everyone and dig into our guests when they're the most vulnerable. Yeah, for real. I think when we launched the trailer or the first podcast... It really dawned on me that well, I want—I don't want no one to listen to this. I want a couple people to listen to this, or like I want to find the right people who would like actually care for this shit. And then I realized that more and more downloads kept having kept kept coming for our first episode. And I'm like, oh shit, we do for the next few episodes really reveal a lot about ourselves. <laughs> that I kind of got like, okay, well, everyone's just gonna know I try to like suck a dick in the Pegasus dark room, which is <laughs> one of the stories that I got a lot of text about, like one person was actually just like, you know, it wasn't that much of a maze. It wasn't like that much of a haunted house. And I'm just like, okay, well, fair. What were you thinking I was like, describing? It's like, oh, you know, like the end of The Shining, you know, <laughs> when they're running through the maze, trying to like run away from like Jack Nicholson. Like, no, it isn't like that, but it did feel like a, a maze in my state of mind. So fair, but um, I think the most interesting reaction to the podcast came just around Christmas 
Um, and it was our first hurtful comment, like our first negative hurtful comment on the podcast. Oh my God. We had so many feelings about that one at first. I was like, do you see that? The text? Oh my God. That was hilarious. Uh, but you know, let's get back to that later. Like we, we can talk about that in a bit. Yes, and it's going to be um, in a little special segment later of uh, a, a be real dedicated to it. So stick around. <laughs> but okay, so again, Chris, I haven't seen you in so long. Happy New Year! It's twenty twenty three. Gong hei pa to my loveliest <laughs> Bao Viet Nguyen, all the way in Vietnam. To don't you wish it was me in San Francisco? Gong hei pa choi. Probably butchering that. And happy New Year to all our listeners. We both had such an eventful New Year's. I purposely haven't caught up with Chris about it so that I could get the lowdown on what he did. Um, but I feel like we always go hard on New Year's, especially except for like the New Year's going 2020 going into 2021, which is pretty chill, obviously, because of the mm-hmm. pan pizza. But um, yeah, we, we always go really hard, don't we, on New Year's? Yeah, uh, it's it's something I always look forward to. Because it's like a reset, especially if you looked at the at the time as, oh, let's put this back behind us. And, you know, yes, time is arbitrary. It, time is a circle. Ta- space time is everything all at once. But we're humans. We don't always think like that. And it's nice to forget the past sometimes or learn from it. And so what way to celebrate that than fuck shit up? And we, lo- we love to do that. <laughs> Well, okay, so I want to hear all about your New Year's. Where were you? What did you do? How did you feel? Tell me about it. Well, earlier I was saying, like, you know, holidays, I was really enjoying it. And so I was, like, really revving up into New Year's. New Year's Eve, uh, although I was with a lot of friends, and I really enjoyed that, uh, we went to a party, and it was terrible. It was so bad. It was um, Afterglow quintessential San Francisco party and um, it was uh, the vibes were bad the music was bad and at some point like the dance floor just was empty and it was like you know, mm. well you know can't win them all I've always had a good time at those but you know it's funny because the first time I ever went to an afterglow several years ago someone was like oh yeah have fun at the orgy I was like what do you mean <laughs> so when I say quintessential SF uh yeah describe the party because I've because I've been through a couple with you I went to the pride one just this year with you um so like give the listeners a, a feel of what afterglow so is it's not a dark room is. It's a bright neon lit room and it's not underground. It is upstairs. And when the dance floor filled up again, I was trying to figure out why. It's because everyone was packed upstairs in well, the orgy room. It was just it's the it's the place with the best music. It's wall-to-wall dicks everywhere. And and I'm not talking about dildos on the walls, just people just almost completely naked fucking and sucking and it's it's a lot it's a lot of sweat it's a lot of spit and you know i I visit on on occasion but it's not really my thing to participate um i don't look down on it it's just not a participator um but you know this year i can really like put like a finger on like the vibe of the whole party because you know 
Everyone spent all their time upstairs. Where does the after party, after glow party come from? Like, what's the history of that? Well, San Francisco, well known for its sex positivity. There's a group, I think it was like Polyglamorous, and maybe they even partner up with um, a Burning Man camp, Comfort and Joy, which are very well known for the teaching about sex positivity, loving yourself, loving others. And so it's about... Um, loving others, but with consent. And it's being very um, open about yourself, uh, open to others, uh, being respectful to people. Uh, Sometimes it may not seem like that, but people Mm -hmm. feel, tend to feel safer there. And uh, and I think that's why uh, we've always enjoyed that aspect of it. And not even just because of the sexual encounters, just because that vibe emanates into the rest of the party. People are just happy to be around each other. It's not like, um, you know, some deep, dark room where you can't see each other. The lights are bright, neon everywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can see every detail and of, of somebody. And, you know, I ran into some really old friends, um, one who was so happy to see me. And he's like, I seen your Instagram. I love your podcast. I'm so excited for you. Um, I think it was a little high because he went on for that like 20 minutes uh, and talking to me about the the positives of capitalism and what I should do. And it was hilarious. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, it was like, you know, it, it brings up the energy. And that's what I love about Afterglow. Uh, so it wasn't like the worst thing in the world, but it did put like, it like slowed my my weekend down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, like Afterglow, I've been to a couple, and one thing that I feel like pe- people who go to Afterglow think is like, oh, it's a niche party in San Francisco or a niche queer party in San Francisco. But when you go, it's like there's all walks of life there. People who work at tech companies, people who um, are just exploring their sexuality. It's like such a nice staple of the queer party scene in San Francisco versus being like, I feel like if it was in LA, it would be like a very niche thing of like for a certain group. It's like on SNL when Stefan, this party has everything. They've got, they've got people hugging you at the entrance. They've got um, people doing Vogue on the dance floor. There's the Hoppa Hooper that I'm in love with. They had someone juggling um, light, up, uh, light up bowling pins. Had everything. Yeah, and it's, so they call it Afterglow because everything's neon, right? Like everything mm-hmm. is neon under black light. There's like DIY art put on the walls, which I love. It's just like fun and only in San Francisco will you go to a party like this. But I'm, I'm sad you didn't have a good time. I hope they let you back in after you said you didn't have a good time. <laughs> but, you know, I'll still go back. You know, not every every year is going to be a hit. And so what did you do New Year's Day then? Oh my God, New Year's Day was so much more redeeming. Uh, we went to this massive DJ party at the Midway, this big warehouse in San Francisco, and had some of the hugest names in the house and techno like industry. But it was filled with like bros and ABGs. But it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. We had a, like a good time. We got lost in the music. You know, I was with a bunch of friends. I would see people that I haven't seen in months. And we got lost, like literally lost in famed queer DJ, techno DJ, Nicole Mutaber, I was lost in her set. I didn't know where I was. Uh, She was like trying to scramble my brain. It was amazing. I had a great time. Uh, I love seeing her. And uh, and I love that so many of my friends also love her, even though she's not for everyone. Yeah. So what was the name of the party? Fresh Start. You got to get a fresh start on the year. 
and it's think- new to SF, so uh, it's mm. it's something new to try. Was, was there still Breakfast of Champions this year? Like one of those uh, Burner New Year's party that we've been through, been to? Yeah, a lot? breakfast. I was actually very torn. I wanted to go to Breakfast of Champions also, go in the morning at six a.m. and then come to Fresh Start at like three or four p.m. But it was hard. Because it's expensive and you want to get some sleep. I heard it was great. Uh, it was packed. It just was a cold and rainy year. So San Francisco was not blessed with good weather this year. We were blessed with storms and flooding and cars falling into ditches. But, oh, my gosh. You know, we, we made the best of it. And so it was a really good time. But, you know, just still only a week away, still recovering from it. But what about you, Mal? What did you get up to New Year's Eve? So I was in Bangkok. I was in Bangkok mm-hmm. for this humongous gay annual networking mixer called Networking Mixer. <laughs> networking Mixer annual convention, gay convention called the White Party Bangkok. Um, no, I'm just kidding. It's actually a huge circuit party. And not just like a huge circuit party, like a humongous circuit party with like 20,000 attendees. Isn't it one of the biggest in the world? I, I think it is, but I just think it's funny that the game went to this, like the hugest or quote unquote hugest like, circuit party, just because I'm not a circuit queen. Um, I was there mm-hmm. and had a great time celebrating my friend's 40th birthday and just reconnecting with people. So as for the party itself, let's start with the music, which I'm just not going to review because I really just can't <laughs> tell. <laughs> I really just can't tell. Or like the like the pots and pans but um not to knock on the circuit music i can appreciate it sometimes but i just am not the biggest fan of circuit music so you should probably ask somebody who who is and they could probably give you a good review of what the music is i'm the kind of person who after going to a circuit party and someone says god that that dj was so good or like oh that dj is so bad god like uh, it was terrible and i'm just like how could you tell it all just sounds the same to me but again not to knock on circuit party parties i just i, I still love just their history and their legacy and i i still think like in a place like asia a queer space like that still feels very important but i can tell you what did surprise me about the music they uh-huh. had this whole like art wall experience um with like mirrors everywhere like my friend kept bumping into the mirrors because he kept being confused <laughs> Um, and it led to a techno room. So I was really surprised to see a techno room. And then the oh more my God, I thought that's so about cool. it, it was so cool. It was so my vibe, especially on the last day when um, it, it had better ventilation, but it's really small still. It's just really, really small still. There's so many Asian techno DJs headlining in there, which I was also surprised to see. And so what it kind of brought to me is like, oh, I think I think that there is an interesting like subset of people want to go to these parties who like different kind of music or who, who want like more diverse slate of music. And the white party was doing that to broaden its crowd. I also think maybe, and I have no research on this. It's just a hunch. Um, maybe the younger crowd is into techno music and not into circuit party music. Yeah. I met the creator of oh, white party Bangkok at Where? Burning Man. Mm. Uh, he was so cool. Uh, his name is Blue. And it, maybe um, he got inspired this past year at Burning Man to put a house and techno room uh, at, at White Party. You know what? Now that you say that, there was like all these art experiences or art pieces, like digital art pieces that people just like sat around when they were chilling out to look at. And that felt kind of like what I imagined Burning Man to be. 
We're gonna claim him. We'll, we'll claim. Okay. We'll, we'll claim him from Burning Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, so I think the techno music is probably it could be a way to broaden the audience and maybe like build a younger audience long term who may not be into to circuit music as much as like people our age or or older. As for the production, it's obviously the one of the best in the world. For a circuit party, Pangina Heels was a headliner, <gasps> and She's the best. She, it was amazing. They like hoisted her all the way up, like. I'd say like a hundred, like maybe two hundred feet, and um, they, they don't got OSHA regulations there. there. They, do. <laughs> they don't, but um, then, then that performance was just amazing. Again, there's so many obnoxious posts about how great the party was on Instagram, so I won't get into it. Um, and what I'm more interested in is just like sort of everyone's journey of personal exploration and growth when they go to something like a white party Bangkok because. Um, everyone's coming, everyone was coming down in the last week. So they posted a lot of very heartfelt messages about their time there. <laughs> and, but for me personally, I think I'd go back to like my first relationship with Bangkok and partying there. Um, cause the last time I went to white party, it was in like 2019 and me again, we're talking about like me in 2019 versus me now, like in 2019, it was my first time. I just gotten out of, um, a relationship with my long-term boyfriend and I went back to Bangkok to kind of reclaim it for myself because I love Bangkok. But then my boyfriend and I had gone to another party earlier that year when we were still together called Songkran. You were there. Mm-hmm. I was there. You've I was been to so much of it. The third wheel. <laughs> you were. And it was a bad third wheel because that Songkran, my boyfriend at the time and I, it was just kind of mired. We were just mired into so much betrayal and controversy and drama. So first of all, I'm sorry for that. Um, you better be. Yeah, I'm really sorry for that. You're still friends with but with us, but we we ended up breaking up for good a few weeks later. Obviously, we've gone through a lot of therapy and made our own amends, and he's one of the, my closest friends now. Um, let's just say we, you know, when we were together, we were one of those couples that had like some deep rooted issues, and instead of working on them or going to couples therapy, we decided to just have an open relationship. It's the gateway. It's the gay way. And couples who do that without working on their issues or having it, they're just doing it terribly. And we did it terribly. So to anybody that was in, that was caught in the way of us doing that terribly, we're terribly sorry. Anyway, broke up with my boyfriend at the time, went to White Party uh, 2019 as a single gay. And I did that to reclaim Bangkok for me. And girl, did I. She's reclaiming her time. Reclaiming my time. Felt so much love. Giving it. <laughs> receiving it. it helped, I think it helped me find kind of my footing again as a single gay in like the community. And obviously it was like sort of intoxicating to like be able to explore myself in um, a space like that and meeting people from around the world. This time in 2022 or 2023, I went back and then I roomed with a really close friend of mine, Arthur, um, who's a close friend of yours too. And it was amazing to see it through his eyes because I felt like he saw it the same way I saw it when I came in 2019. It was also his first time partying in, in Asia and walking into a room and seeing thousands of gorgeous Asian men who look like you. Girl, I got the live updates from her on on Instagram through the whole trip. <laughs> when you know, then they call it the white party. That's just don't get don't get them wrong. There's very there were very few white people there. It was all gay, mostly gay Asian guys from all over the world. And then he had that like, same realization and asked the same question when I first party in Bangkok, which is like, is this how white people feel in America to be feel a part of the majority? 
Like it's the first time you didn't feel mar- like the, uh, marginalized because of how you looked. Um, and that's really powerful, right? This feeling of being seen and not being the only one, um, being in the majority, but not in the margins. And also just being around so many hot Asian guys of all types. That's the best. But I will say, seeing it through his eyes and how closely aligned with this, like how I felt about it in 2019, it made me realize like I'm just not there anymore. Mm. I'm not the I'm not that same person I was in 2019. Um, I can make space to appreciate what this party was to people, and I still enjoyed it. But I can also kind of accept that maybe it's not for me to do every year or to return every year again. I mean, for one, my body dysmorphia was on an all time high. <laughs> like, I was I, the people were there were, were weren't there with just like six packs. They were there were like ten packs or something. I didn't even realize that was possible. Like, you know, the ten packs with like, the veins on them. Ooh, like, do they eat? I'm like, do they eat or what supplements are you taking? Or you've worked really hard, so congratulations, you look great. I can barely get maybe like two or something. <laughs> so, I think it's our generation it, it was of like, body dysmorphia that we passed on to them, and then they, they took it and run. <laughs> they take it and run with better metabolism. Again, I thought I had dealt really well with um, my body dysmorphia um, or dealing with it very well, like in therapy and getting them like, oh, the triggers are there. And I know what people are thinking, like, if girl, if you have body dysmorphia, why'd you go to a circuit party? Good question. <laughs> no. <laughs> the second is my anxiety. I think a lot of people were feeling anxious. Uh, from um, what? You know, when you're in a room with 20, there's 20,000 people in a room. And outside of it during New Year's, it, they closed down the streets to have like a mainstream new year's party so there's a bunch of people there so for me personally i just kept thinking of like what happened in seoul during halloween and i just like was kind of like a little bit anxious about that i just was um just feeling bad about that like i should like this more like why why am i not feeling the way arthur's feeling or how other people are feeling and then after a while i'm like you know that's okay just accept it is this like you're you're a different person than you were in more experienced And more traumatized. Exactly. More traumatized. I had less anxiety then. I had not experienced depression then. Had more serotonin. Had more hair. Had more collagen. Had a lot more other things to enjoy this in 2019. Isn't this a a little bit like how you were saying before about like our traumas? We're not looking to say one day, I'm healed. We're looking to say, oh, Mm -hmm. I'm progressing. I know how to live with this now. Great. Let's move on. Yeah. I realized that my personal growth and going to the same things I did before the pandemic, I'm realizing in the first like kind of few instances of it, I'm kind of just, uh, I feel bad about that. I'm like, why can't I just try to force myself to be this like person again, get back to quote unquote normal again before I finally accept like, okay, well, you're actually just a different person and that's okay. And it took me much longer than I thought it would arrive at this acceptance state but i'm here now and it feels great and it's interesting because you kind of have the same vibe or feeling about afterglow right it's it's also a party that we've been through quite a yeah. few times and really enjoyed before the pandemic yeah and not just afterglow just like going out in general um or or just doing things in life they're not as exciting or new as they used to be and uh and looking at it with the lens of all this trauma that we have gone through, uh, it's taking a little more time to accept that, okay, yeah, just like you said, we just got to enjoy it differently. And that's okay. We can do different things than we used to do. 
um, but we also can just appreciate in a different way. And when I still got to sort of that point, it's I'm much more comfortable with that. I'm like, okay, I like it. I don't have to like it the same way, but I like it. And I think this dovetails really well oh. um, into our next segment. Oh. oh. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Because I think, I, think I think it's time. Yeah, it's time. It's time for us to be real. Let's be real. Um, so this is Be Real, um, the segment where Chris and I... Just get really real about anything that we're thinking about, anything on our hearts, minds, or dicks. And this time we're going to do the same topic, actually. And that's the topic of the, our first hurtful comment um, about the podcast. Yeah. Um, so it was posted on our, one of our Instagram reels as a gift to us <laughs> on Christmas Day. And we're going to take turns reading it. <laughs> so Chris, why don't you go first? So this this was after the first episode had launched, and this person commented um, with the following: "Y'all are almost forty and still doing K and God knows what other drugs. It's sad, and y'all wonder why you're both single when y'all still alive, live this chaotic life like you're in your twenties." <laughs> and it continues with. I want to support this podcast and even listen to the first episode, but this toxic partying and drug culture in the gay community and gayian community is unhealthy. And the fact y'all are still doing it at this age is just depressing. And scene. <laughs> All right, so, so let's be real about this. Can I just start by saying, ouch. It was painful, no. uh, but at the same time... That really hurt. Uh, you know, a few minutes later, I was like, well, fuck them. And then you just go through all these little things, but it still hurts a little bit. It hurt. It hurt. It doesn't hurt as much now, but oh, we had talked about the fact that we make it... If we were going to be this vulnerable, we're going to be people who don't who don't agree uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, or are going to take it out on yeah. us. Um, but I didn't realize how hurtful it would feel. So that, that was hurtful. So ouch. But I don't know. So Chris, Chris, why don't you go first? Um, 
you know, I was saying it's been an interesting last few months. And, you know, over this winter, I had a birthday. I'm now 43. I'm in my early to mid late 40s and coming into hopefully a new positive year. And so, yes, I thank you, commenter. I am over 40. And, uh, but <laughs> Correction. She's not almost 40. She's over 40. <laughs> yeah, but to be honest, when I was about to turn 40, I was getting very depressed. I didn't realize until later on. Um, it took me a while to understand that dark, looming cloud that I always felt mm-hmm. at that time was depression. And, you know, I didn't go to therapy. I was still a little stigmatized by the idea of therapy. And, you know, I, I, it eventually passed, you know, sometime after mm-hmm. my birthday, my 40th birthday, we threw a huge shebang and it was so great. Fun. And mm-hmm. I, and I think there was just something stupid in me, like stuck to this arbitrary number. And it's when I learned I had loving people around me and it, it was, I, I guess I did feel a little lonely, but then, uh, but just knowing that there were people here for me was really great. But then we came into this pan pizza and I'm single and I'm getting older. So it was a little rough in the last few years and it hung on my mind. It got me thinking about dating and finances because I spent most of my thirties pretty comfortable and satisfied with being on my own an independent woman. And, uh, but because of these recent financial hardships and pan pizza, I've been really reconsidering it all, wanting to be with somebody. And it's really fucking shitty that it's because of threats of late stage capitalism has led me to consider pairing off with somebody for a dual income just so I can afford being single. And, you know, surprisingly, it's no longer my mom who's like, uh, harassing me about being single. It's my friends and random people harassing me for being a failure if I'm single, which, which I find to be you know, rude. It's people go through things at different times in their lives. And it took me a moment to go, well, you know, good for them that they have been able to have a party time in their 20s and be like at a great place in their lives now. I didn't party in my 20s. I didn't even start drinking until I turned 30. And so I consider myself a late bloomer. And to have someone tell me, oh, you're a failure because you're single and you enjoy partying at this age, eh, well, we're just different people. And that's probably what makes me so unique. Unique. I'm an individual. Unique. (laughs) Uh, So I got past that and... uh, uh, and it took some time with a lot of texting with you. But yeah. what, did, what, what was your thoughts on it, pal? Well, I mean, I just want to say that, um, I know, yeah, the, in the comment, it felt like we 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 wonder why we're single. It's like, no, we like being single, too. Mm-hmm. We don't wonder why we're single. We're just ready for a partner. That's different. I yeah. was intentionally single for, well, my plan was to do it for two years, and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, after after my, my last boyfriend, because, you know, I wanted to take the time, go to therapy to realize, like, so why did you act these certain ways? What were some of the triggers in this relationship? Um, and what baggage do you want to not take into the next relationship? And I will say my flaw has been that I got 
too careful. I'm like, oh, I'm not, I haven't fixed all my baggage yet. Like I felt like I felt that. So I'm not ready for a relationship. I, I think I held on to that too long when, but I think now it's like, oh, you know, I'm never going to fix all my baggage. I'm never going to just. It's a process. Be, You're yeah. always going to have your carry on. Yeah. I'm always going to have my carry on, but let's just find a partner who can grow with me in this way. Um, and so it wasn't for lack of like us being like, oh, why are we still single? I think we love, we love this life and it's mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. We just are ready for a partner. Um, so we don't, and, and for, you know, for someone to come in and just kind of insinuate that um, being single is, is a failure. I, you know, I just don't, we just don't agree with. It's not about perfection. It's about progress. And we are always progressing. Um, as, okay. So for, for me, how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, we, 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 we texted around this and look, whoever you are who sent this, I don't know you. But I want to say that I don't know you, but I want to make space to try to understand why you would make that comment and your judgment of us. Because, look, this is what I, I want to. This is what I want to recognize. A lot of people have traumas around drug use. Like they may have grown up in families where the abuse was there. Um, I know friends who have had to deal with former partners or partners or someone they love so much who was destructive because they were an addict. Um, or maybe you have dealt with some abuse issues yourself and in recovery. And so this conversation or the conversation that we have so openly on the podcast can be pretty triggering. So all that is to say that I really don't know you, but you don't know us either, girl. <laughs> I'm not K-holing in the dark room every night. And I feel like that was like sort of like probably maybe the story that got this person kind of triggered to make that kind of comment. Like, I don't do this every night. And the queers who go to those dark rooms don't do that every night either because there actually isn't a dark room that has a party like that every night. The people who go to these parties are not just partiers. They're pop culture junkies. Um, they're artists. They're community activists. They're accountants. There's many other types of guys and queers who go to these things. And, you know, we seek a night out from time to time to just really let loose on the dance floor. We want to explore the pleasures and just have a goddamn good time. So let us do that. Like, we love the queer party scene. Personally, for me, it was my refuge when I had to hide who I was, hide my true self to my parents or to, like, our coworkers or even some of my friends, the world even. And it's where I found Doncha. This is where we got close, right? This is where I found a lot mm-hmm. of friends. And Doncha, you said, like, during your 40th birthday, you realized you're a lot of those friends we met in the queer party scene. And that isn't to say, I'm not trying to say the party scene is for everyone. It isn't. It isn't for everyone. It is not a good scene for you if you probably are struggling with some issues that the scene can enable, like addiction. Um, and depending on the party sometimes, then parties be hella white. And they're not as inclusive or not as body inclusive. So I'm going to admit to that. But when the queer party scene gets it right, it can be beautiful. And I think of this one party I went to right before Thanksgiving. It was like the Wednesday right before Thanksgiving in LA. It's thrown by um, a club called Rhonda. So we just call it Rhonda here in LA. Oh my God, Chris, you have to be come to one of the LA versions of the party. Um, That sounds so fun. It was like two floors, like two floors and like maybe five rooms or something of just queer, gays, lesbians, trans folks, non-binary, BIPOC folks, all ages, walks of life, body types there were circuit queens there were techno house heads and sure some of them i don't remember or a lot of them were maybe on edibles or doing some bumps and definitely drinking <laughs> um but what they had 
that I recognized when I was there was like, because I thought when I, I'm like, this is a party right before Thanksgiving. Like, it's like either $5 or something. It was really cheap. Uh, that must mean like no one's going to come because it's before Thanksgiving and people are going to be gone. I got there and it was really, really packed. And I talked to a couple of people and it was people who are queer who are not going home to their biological families. But they got the space. Like they got this night to celebrate with their chosen family because for so many, so many of them, they, they don't have that opportunity to go back to their biological families like some of us do. The price is to help make it available to these people. Yeah. Yeah. And me, of course, like late stage capitalism, I'm just like, that just means I didn't get enough people there. Because <laughs> they're doing a discount. <laughs> like, nope, that was me being an asshole um, because that was such an important space. And that's, I really recognize that. So look, these queer spaces are like havens. They have their flaws, but they're so important for us queers to connect with our community, no matter what age you are, girl. Like you can come and celebrate with your community. And if Beyonce, if the queen bee, if Beyonce can celebrate these queer dance spaces with her latest album, Renaissance, so good, by the way, still haven't stopped listening to it. If Mm -hmm. Beyonce can celebrate these queer dance spaces, you can make space for that too. So it's okay. And then personally, I will say, sure. Was there a time when I was worried that the scene was going to be unhealthy for me or too much for me? Sure. Yeah. But I went to therapy. I worked on that. I know what my boundaries are. I know when, how much is too much. And it's going to continue to change for me. Like it's changed for you on Afterglow. It changed for me on White Party. It'll still continue to evolve. But I know what my boundaries are. Um, And on the old and single part, I think don't just sum it up pretty well. So. Again, thanks. <laughs> you summed it up pretty well. Um, so I hope we can make space for that in our community. I hope you can make space for that person who commented for these queer spaces to exist, just with a little less judgment. But um, that's just my invitation to you. Obviously, you can't control what you think or what you want to do. And so it might not be your journey, but it has been a life-changing one for me, for Chris, and for so many queers. Yeah. I remember, like several years ago we had this conversation um it may sound a little cheesy but we think about with a historical lens it's our sanctuaries where did people Mm -hmm. go before bars with no windows you couldn't be seen and that has just translated over the years as some of the only places that people can go yes we have more options now and that is amazing um but it doesn't mean that the other options are any worse. And so having a safe space to just be who you want to be is great. It's great. And again, a lot of people can spiral into unhealthy habits. So party responsibly, mm-hmm. recognize that. Um, we work through it with ourselves, work through it with our friends, but I still think it's important that these spaces exist. But an update. The comment has since been deleted. But we still think it was important. Um, Like, I I think it got got put out there, and it's a real conversation that people should be having. Um, But, you know, it's gone now. Yeah, I mean, I I I see it all the time on TikTok. I see someone posting, like, a funny, like, partying meme, or maybe they're they're, they're making a cheeky commentary on drugs on ketamine on g on molly or something and you go to those tiktok comments and it's a lot of like this is what's wrong with our community this is what's wrong it's so toxic um sure i think fair i'm not saying it's completely untrue but this these these spaces are important to people they don't have to and they're not the only spaces 
But I, I can see how someone can feel like because there's so much content around it that there's a pressure for that to be the only space. But there's a lot of different types of spaces that are popping up now. And you can go join those and enjoy your time there while we enjoy our queer party scene. Um, with that, we're going to close this out. We impact a lot today um, in a short time, girl. Yeah, and I don't want to keep you. You have your mom out there. I want to make sure you get to see her. Uh, so we did go through a lot. And do y'all have any thoughts on this topic? DM us. Follow us while you're at it at Literally Gaysians on Instagram. Uh, you can follow me and Bow there too. Yes, link in bio. And we're back in the next episode with another very special, amazing guest. Again, it's one of the pre-recorded ones. So um, till then... Au revoir. Am I saying that right? I, just, I need. I'm saying it like Emily in Paris. <laughs> Bye. You're in Vietnam. Say say whatever in Vietnamese. Xin chào. Oh, chúc mừng bao. We'll see everyone later. Công hai pa choi. Bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.